Hey, what's going on, hockey fans? Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast. I appreciate you. This one is a doozy, just like always, with Kyle Martin. He's got uh, a lot to talk about with the NHL, with the Blackhawks. So we get into it. I also asked him who he thought was going to win the entire thing when we come back in August and play some uh, play some hockey. So uh, I hope you enjoy the conversation. Don't forget tomorrow's uh, stream, Friday, June 12th at 8 o'clock Central Time. I'm announcing how you can win a free $100 BUSR.com account. So enjoy the conversation with Kyle Martin, and good luck on the giveaway. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the stream. Happy Thursday. Today is June 11th, 2020. I'm lucky I know what day it is and where I am, to be honest with you. My quarantine brain is sticking around, but joining me today uh, again it's always great talking hockey with this guy, Kyle Martin at McBrooklyn48 on Twitter. Joins me now to talk about the NHL, the Blackhawks, and we've got some things to discuss that, um, in my opinion, are, are a pretty interesting topic of conversation. So, Kyle, thanks for taking the time tonight, and uh, let's get into it. Yeah, man. How you doing? Uh, well, aside from aside from a little day drinking today, I'm pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Um, hey, we can all use a little bit of drinking. Oh, man, yeah, I'm not going to lie. It was, <laughs> was kind of nice. So we'll start with uh, something that you brought up to me earlier uh, about the Blackhawks. And, and for those who don't know, the next phase has been announced to start July 10th. Um, training camps will be back. And then that basically gets us to about August, the beginning of August, to um, to start the I guess remainder of the season or playoff play in situation, whatever you want to call it. But you texted me earlier today and you're like, Hey, did you see that uh Seabrook might be playing? And I'm like, Brent Seabrook, uh, I thought that would be Calvin DeHaan's situation. So what did you see about Brent Seabrook? Yeah, so I guess um Scott Powers in the media, I assume. I don't know, I don't know if it was limited media it was all the beat reporters, but where I saw it, I believe it was Scott Powers that put out that uh, uh, he talked to Stan Bowman, and Stan Bowman confirmed that uh, Drake Kajula and Adam Boquist are healthy and are going to be ready for the playoffs. Uh, and then he listed the people that are still questionable, which was DeHaan, Seabrook, Shaw, and Smith. And okay. I just thought it was very – to me, it was very interesting. And I commented on the tweet that I think I said, Seabrook, really? Wow, good <laughs> for him because, I mean, originally, like, he shouldn't – I guess – I mean, I guess it's going to determine – be determined how, like, when they start playing and stuff because he should have been starting on the original, like, time frame to start skating sometime in, like, August. Mm-hmm. So I guess perhaps maybe he's farther along um, and might be ready to go. It, I mean, maybe not for the first play-in round, but if they can get in past the play-in and then past the first round, maybe in the uh, semifinals, maybe they would. Maybe he would be ready. I, I don't know. Um, but I just thought that was very interesting that he they listed him. Because to me, and maybe it was just a, a Powers error or something that he was, or Powers was just including him. But it just it seemed to me that that would be kind of odd. 
that. And I, it was also odd that DeHaan was listed in the questionable spot because he had a four to, I think they said four to six months for his surgery right? recovery, and he was out. He's been out since December. Yeah. So even at the long end of December, he should be ready. I mean, it's June now, right? So like, he should be ready by August. Uh, and I know he's skating. I've seen him on the ice. So I don't know why he's still questionable. Uh, Bowman did say that he's the farthest along. So I think it's likely that DeHaan will be on the ice. But, yeah, I was just – and, you know – I don't know what's going on with Shaw. I mean, he hasn't played since November. And, you know, I think the last time we talked, maybe it was speculation that he might be, like, done done. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what his deal is. Uh, so, yeah. I think I think Shaw – so here's the thing. There, with the NBA's situation, when it, when it first kind of started, there were players like, ah – and even teams, they're like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know if it's worth it. You know, we, we got to play this, this this play-in situation, and then, you know, if we if we have a chance, then, we'll, you know, we'll obviously have be in the playoffs, and that'll be nice. But for a team like the Hawks, I, I haven't seen any of this, but I'm sure it's out there, that there are some, some people, some fans that are like, listen, I get it, we're playing the Oilers, and that's nice, and, and we, we play them well, but is it worth it to bring back – these players in risk injury for for a little bit of time and then you know then they're out long term uh for for next season but in my opinion the the Hawks have a really good chance at at least I mean look they had no business being in the playoff race uh and and they've been given this new shot in the arm of making the quote-unquote playoffs and having a nice nice first round matchup uh with, with the Oilers and then it gets a little hairy after that series, if they if they were able to pull that out, but look, if you're telling me that let's just say the Blackhawks at the end of the season made the playoffs, they they squeaked into the playoffs, they wouldn't have Se- for sure. They wouldn't have Seabrook, they wouldn't have Smith, they wouldn't have Shaw, they wouldn't have Dehan. Um, I know Slater Cuckoo had a, a pretty good second half of the season. He was playing really well. Uh, Nick Sealer was getting slotted in there, and I know how you feel about him. I, I'm I'm kind of a fan of him though. Um, there's no shot that the Hawks go go past the first round. There's no shot. Now, when you look, when you talk about this situation, I feel really, really good about it. I know we 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 don't have Robin Leonard. That that's a that's a touchy subject, but I like I I like the the Hawks' chances now, um, more than I do if they made the playoffs. At the at at the quote unquote normal end of the season, are you do you feel the same way? Or are you like, eh, whatever, we'll see what happens. Um, well, I mean, one thing you got to keep in mind too is uh, all the other teams are going to be healthy too. True. So, uh, you know how that plays in. I know Edmonton had quite a few injuries. And you're going to have a healthy McDavid and Drysaitel, which. I mean, McDavid's always battling some injury, it seems like. Um, But, yeah, I I don't know. I think with the Blackhawks, even even if they had made the playoffs, they're such a weird team because the talent is there, but 
they just play they and they show it right they'll go on like a three or four game stretch where maybe the record doesn't show it but they play really good teams and they play them really well even if they lose mm-hmm. but then they'll go on other stretches where they'll play the red wings who are like the worst team in the league and they give up like six goals and they were like garbage um so to me it's it's with the Hawks, it's so much about matchup, and it's so much about just where the team is. Now, sure, is DeHaan going to help? Yes. Um, but to be honest, outside of DeHaan, I don't really care that if the other guys aren't around because Zach Smith was not doing anything. I would much rather, if we're going to have playoff games, I would much, and I don't see Zach, I don't know what they're going to do with Zach Smith, whether he's bought out, whether he's traded, whether they keep him for the last year of his deal. I don't know. But he has no future with the team. I think that's clear. So I don't really care if he doesn't play. I'd kind of rather give a young kid that experience. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, Shaw didn't really do a whole heck of a lot when he was playing anyway. And, like, I've been, I think, pretty vocal about how bad I thought requiring him was. Um, So I I look at it as, at least in the position that they're in. So you've got lucky. You get the last spot. I mean, playing with house is money. I mean, ideally, I think it is an important series because I think it's an important series, I think, for Kane – Taves and Keith, because if those guys can kind of get off the schneid, if you will, and get back into the playoffs and get their groove back, because I think this losing that the Hawks have been going through has affected the three of them, and maybe Seabrook as well, but you know, Seabrook's been on the decline, and I, a lot of people, it's, I'm always the guy that's usually defending people on Twitter, players on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not necessarily a Seabrook apologist, but I think he gets shit on a lot. But maybe because of his injuries is why he was terrible. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe he comes back and he's better. We don't know. But I, I think really for those the three main core guys, the three guys that are going to have statues and jerseys when this is all hung up in the rafters, when this is all done, uh, those three guys, I think, and maybe Taze especially. Keith is, you know, getting up there in age, but he's also serviceable. Kane is Kane. But I think just getting that, like, negativity and that badass, like, where the Blackhawks feel back will help them, but it will also help the locker room because the locker room will see them start to get back into the lead and leadership and feel like they're a good team again and all of this stuff, especially you got to keep them – mind. Murphy's never played in the playoffs. Strom's never played in the playoffs. And Strom's only, what, 22? The Brinkett's only 22. Doc's 19 now, I think. Yep. So you got Nylander's 21. You've got all these young kids that are very similar perhaps to 2008, where you can get these kids into the playoffs, get them experience, go on a little bit of a run and then kind of get that swagger back. And it also will stay focused, 
job, which is a whole other thing. But, um, <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I don't, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer here, but let's just say the Hawks get ousted by Edmonton, which I, I really don't think is going to happen. But let's just say they they get eliminated right away by Edmonton. I'm still happy because the long term effect of of just playing playoff like hockey. Um, is huge for guys like you mentioned, like like Debrinket, like Doc, like Nylander. I, I'm interested to see what Nylander does in the playoffs, or, well, in this playoff format, because I've been critical of him. A lot of Blackhawks Twitter has been critical of him, and um, I, I like I, I'm at the point it, he's like a Trubisky to me. Like I don't like him, but I want him to prove me wrong. And I know statistically, you've brought this up to me multiple times. Like Nylander and Doc are damn near the same player statistics wise. Um, it's just the it's just the look and feel of him on the ice and the and the mistakes that that he makes in in inopportune times. But again, if he can if he can uh, prove himself in, in this in this high pressure situation that's that's coming up probably in August, I'm game. Like I, I just I want the team to do well. And um, I'll tell you the one thing that I'm a little concerned with, aside from this Edmonton series, if they move on, uh, goaltending. Because we before we oh, had we had two we so, had two goaltenders that could win us games, and now we have I don't I don't even want to say one because who knows how Crawford's going to come back? I mean it's an it's an it's an odd time off, and then all of a sudden you wake up and you're in the playoffs. So I don't know what do you what do you think about that? Well, so the first and this ties into Nylander as well. So this is mm-hmm. a good point. The first. Was it five guys to show up to the, uh, was it fifth, third bank arena or whatever it is? Yep. The practice facility was Patrick Kane, Alex Debrinkit, Alex Nylander, and Malcolm Subban. And then there's Oak Jewel, I think. Mm-hmm. Those were the five guys. One, there were two things they thought was interesting about that. One, Nylander was there. Two, Subban was there. Where is Crawford? Right. Like, I have this unsubstantiated theory that Crawford is a drunkard and drug addict, and that's why he fell down the stairs at what was it, the Steely Dan concert or whatever. And, you know, it, that's why he has mental lapses in games and all this stuff. I mean, I have experience in that, too. I had one game played against him way back in the day. Uh, but... I just I don't know what his where he is. I haven't heard anything about him. And Subban was on the ice for I think a grand total of sixty seconds after the trade mm-hmm. for the Blackhawks. So like I think I said last time, just for Crawford to go take a dump or something. <laughs> so I don't know. Like and we don't. I don't think they've totally announced what the rosters are going to be. I assume that you they're going to have. Don't you think they do like, that at, like think, a little bit before after training camp though? Like maybe before, maybe before training camp, like right before they they announce what the rosters and the lines are going to be, or no? Well, they got to announce what the rosters are going to be because that's going to affect what training camp's going to be. Right. And the other weird aspect of this too is. What is the AHL going to do? That's so a great question. Their, their season's canceled. Normally, they would start back up in September, or not, well, late September, early October for their training camp. Yeah. Well, 
are usually two months. So if this doesn't start to August, we're at October. So assuming that a lot of the AHL players are going to be on, I think I read they were looking at like a 28 forward defenseman roster with like four goaltenders. So again, you're going to have both Lincoln and Delia and the if the Hawks go all the way, which I don't think they will, but stranger mm-hmm. shit happened. <laughs> right. So if, you know, and, and then I guess not even just for the Hawks, but for any team, I would assume you're going to have your two AHL goalies with you. So I, I don't know. Like the teams that are going to be in good position are the Rangers, right? They got Longquist, they got the, and then like the two Russian goalies. I can't even, was it Gorbiev and then Strickman or something? I, I'm blanking um, on, I'm, like, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know they're both. I think they're both Russian. I get them confused because they both just like came up this year. Anyway, they got those three goalies, so they're actually. I mean, they were carrying three goalies in the NHL. Mm-hmm. So I mean, their goaltending wise, probably the best positioned outside of Vegas, who has Leonard and Flurry. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I just where is Crawford? And I'm seeing lots of reports now saying. The Hawks, like Crawford, like done with the Hawks after this year, which again, if that's true, that just like, why did you trade Leonard again? Like, I, I like. Well, see, the thing is, is I, like I, a I, lot of people when that Leonard trade went down, and I, I was kind of one of them because we've seen, uh, we've seen in the past Bowman do things in this fashion, like, you know, maybe you trade Leonard. And you have an under the table agreement of, hey, you know, Robin, don't don't resign in Vegas. We're gonna give you a nice contract when you come back. But it did not seem that way. Like, I was hoping for that. It was that that was the case. But the the transactions that were made, like Leonard was like, oh, it's a great day, and then six minutes later he got traded. Um, I just I, I don't. Like there was a lot of bad blood yeah. that came out af- after the trade. And yeah. it, that seems it's only been like three months ago, man, but it seems like it was a year ago now. Yep. But like that that came out from Vegas was reporting it and then the beat writers back here were like following back up on it and like there were rumors that I think Leonard wanted a three year deal for like six or seven million, something like that. And they didn't want to, the Hawks didn't want to do that. They only wanted to go to like two years or something like that, or maybe do another one year. I don't know. But because originally it was reported that like Leonard wanted way too much money for way too long. Yeah. Like $10 million, let's say. And probably not $10 million, but like 8 or $9 million. <clears throat> Well, he said that was not true. And then, like I said, the rumor came out that he was willing. I think he himself said he was willing to do a three-year deal. I don't think he said money, but I think he said that the eight to nine million wasn't correct. But whatever. But I mean, it was just—I I don't know. Because if you're not willing, if you're—they're not going to keep Crawford at six million. So even if they, even like if, if you're going to pump three million dollars into Crawford, who's going to be what thirty-seven years old? 
37. Injury prop. Yeah, we we got injury problems too. So, like, wouldn't you rather just have Leonard, who's twenty nine thirty, for an extra like three million dollars, four million dollars? Well, and, so know, do I you just, think like that? Do you think though that they're taking? Um, I don't know. I guess it's a bad example, but do you think they're taking a Columbus approach and just they're gonna like call up Delia, or they're they're just gonna give the reins to Delia or Lankinen and just say go get it? Well, that's what I wanted them to do before they signed Leonard this past off season. I wanted them to bring up either Delia or Lankinen. Well, I would have traded Crawford if it were up to me, but <clears throat> I could probably. I would have too. Now, nah, listen. I'm a big fan of Corey Crawford uh, to, to each their own. I understand how that conversation goes. But as much as I liked him um, and do like him, I, I think that keeping Leonard and giving a, a giving a, a playoff team an experienced and talented goaltender who was red hot uh, toward the end of the toward the trade deadline, you could have got a nice, Look, you could have gotten what you got for Leonard for Crawford. So I, that was my preference, but hey, I mean, I, I don't call the shots. I guess that's why I'm doing a podcast and I'm not in the front office. Well, but I mean, yeah, that, that's true. But I, I was suggesting that before the season started, I would have went in with Delia and Lincoln and as my two goalies. Because if, if you figured, to me, the moves they made – I mean, I guess, like I said, I, Nylander for uh, Yokoharu made sense to me because you needed offense. Mm -hmm. And obviously, Nylander's brothers lighten it up. Uh, and Nylander wasn't getting any playing time in Buffalo, so that would make sense. Uh, I think you only needed to trade for either one of the Hunter model. You didn't need both of them. Uh, and that goes back to the other things we've discussed about how loaded the defensive prospect cover is and then they acquired Shaw which is basically dead money now so you get like you know, four, four million dollars between him and uh, Smith you get almost eight million dollars that isn't playing uh, so and then because of this draft was so loaded I would have just figured if it were me I would have taken the year You've already blown however many years it's been now. To just if you're going to play Doc, then have it be a full youth movement, like the Cubs and White Sox did. Bring in the kids, let them play, let them get the experience, and then in a year or two, you're ready to go. Uh, and finally, injuries forced them to do that around December. So you started seeing people like Boquist play every day. Uh, Bodan got in. Carlson got some ice time. Uh, Gilbert got a lot of ice time. Uh, I guess this was Heimler's technically second season, but uh, Hagel got a couple games, and then there's somebody else. I guess Quenville, who was also useless. Go figure. And now uh, uh, Sakura was up a little. He was up for a couple games too. Yeah, but see, he. I, to me, they're completely misusing him. I I think that was one of the dumbest things they did is not keep him on the roster. He was active. He was skilled. He was noticeable. He put up – he was averaging a point every three games. And for somebody who hasn't even played a full season in the NHL, that's very good. That's, I mean, that's like Kirby Doc, Alex Nylander numbers. So – 
you know, it, it, that's another one I don't understand why the fans hate him. It's like, why? He's never gotten a fair shake. Uh, and, you know, statistically, if you look at his numbers over a full season, he's about that 30-point range. He's about a point every three games or so. So, you know, I, I don't know. And what's left for him to do in the AHL? He's been the leader in Rockford with his brother for two years now. I mean, we'll see. I don't know if there's, you know, he might be somebody that gets traded later on for something. I don't know what, but. Well, it's an interesting, it's an interesting um, outlook on, on the future of the Blackhawks as as an organization, not when you're looking even at the playoffs, because I know this is something we hadn't really talked about. We don't have to go, you know, too in depth, but I've yet to talk to you really about John McDonough. Um, You know, his, departure with the organization and look I don't I don't know what you think about the statement that he released um was it the same day or the day after but it was the day after I um I don't know how the relationship was I I don't know how you know what the terms were that he went out on um but I, I I appreciated the statement I think it was look he he's been he's been through a lot with this team and uh, I, I just appreciated the statement. I, I'm not. I don't know how I feel about Danny Wirtz uh, being interim. I, I don't. I guess I don't. I don't know enough about him. I guess, but I, I don't know. What's your take on this? Um. Well, as for McDonough, I've never liked McDonough. I thought a long time he's a, McDonough to me, and Jay Blunk, who's the other. Interesting, because he's still with the Hawks. Mm-hmm. I imagine Jay Blunk is going to be on the outs too once uh, we kind of get the, this season settled. But um, McDonough and Jay Blunk were Cubs guys. That's why they brought them in. I mean, the Cubs you know, started everything that the Hawks are doing. They they took from the Cubs, and the Sox even followed suit with. You know, the Cubs had their convention. Now there's the Hawk convention. The Hawks even started the stupid W flag thing for a while. Um, so they became much more fan-oriented. I mean, and that's that's where McDonough came in. So in a way, that I mean, I guess that's what the Hawks needed, especially with where they were at with the community and such. But at the same time, I felt this way, and I've you know broached this topic to you, where not just hockey, but sports in general has kind of moved on from this traditional president GM assistant GM roles where like if you look at the Cubs now, Jet Hoyer is technically the GM, but nobody goes to him for anything because he's just like a figurehead. The real guy is Theo Epstein and he's the president. So, and I mean, he was basically what the old GM would be. And that's what his old title was GM with the Red Sox. So, you know, I, I think, Maybe more than anything, this may be just Rocky Ward sitting down in his bunker in his mansion, wherever he's at, looking at the decline in sales for tickets, looking at the decline in interest in the team. And because what was interesting is he said everybody was safe a month, like a month mm-hmm. before McDonald was fired. <laughs> yeah, publicly. Yeah, and then so. Like now, like I said, I think he was sitting down looking maybe at the financials and 
whatever other kind of marketing data that they have. And he could see stuff isn't going well. Maybe he got on Twitter for a day or two. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, there's a disconnect with, I think, where the fans see the Hawks and where the Hawks see themselves. And I think most fans are just ready for a rebuild. They just are. Like, and maybe it's not a normal rebuild, but, like, uh, retool maybe is a better word. I was going to say, I mean, but with with guys re- like Taves and Kane, I don't think you're really going to see a normal rebuild. Well, but see, I mean, we were talking about at the beginning of the year, is, is Taves done? Because Taves was really struggling. I don't so, think so. I, I Man, I, I, I don't I, – I really don't think so. I, Taves is a guy to me that, like, he's – He's I, I hate to say it, but he's um he's a product of what's going on around him. Like he's if the Hawks are doing well, he's gonna play pretty well. Or, you know, if the Hawks are really struggling, he's gonna show some frustration on the ice. He's gonna lose a bunch of face offs. I, I I don't know I I don't know if that's a bad thing or I don't want that to get misconstrued, but I just think he's he's the type of captain who you know, he's uh, the the mantra around him is contagious, and um, I think he'll be fine. I really do. Taves is a guy to me that like all it takes is one thing. It takes one good game, one good goal, one great pass to to kind of set him on fire. So I don't know. I I still have confidence in him. Well, I think that, and I've said this for a long time against all the Twitter trolls, the Hawks. I mean, and this is – there's some assumptions in here that Boquist, Mitchell, Carlson, Bodan, uh, Vlasic, Gula, two of those guys, let's say, are going to pan out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't been – I have not been very impressed with Boquist. That's just my personal opinion. Um, He's had some glimpses. But, yeah, I mean, maybe he turns it around. He's still young. I, I don't know. And it's only his first year. But – Assuming that all of that works itself out, assuming Doc works his way out into you know a number three overall pick, assuming Neilander is kind of that Patrick Sharp esque player that puts up like fifty points a, a year kind of guy, if Kubali can keep it up, which I have my doubts too, but let's say he does, if DeBrinket can bounce back, if Strom can kind of stay where he is, maybe improve a little bit, because kind of he's pretty close to where he needs to be. Um, I think they're only missing what, who's going to be the goalie, and then they need another scorer. Those are the only two things that I think they're really missing from being a good team. Assuming you get the defenseman, the young kid, experience, yeah. and the other young kids in the forward group get experience. And obviously, to bring it, this is his third season. So he should be there. Strong should pretty much be there. Nylander and Doc are basically in this. I guess Nylander might be a little ahead of Doc, but really they're kind of in the same boat. Um, so, you know, I, I I don't think it's necessarily that they need like a complete reboot, but like a retool. And I don't see I don't see you can't trade anything unless you're going to trade from your defensive prospects 
and first-round picks, and they're not in a position to trade first-round picks, and they're not in a position to trade from their defenses, their high-end prospects, which are all defensive prospects, because you don't really know what you have yet. You don't know who's going to be the best, who's going to be the worst, whatever. Um, So, I, I mean, I don't see them really being able to acquire that piece from to buy a trade. Uh, I don't see them signing anybody because there really isn't much on the free agent market uh, that I would want to spend a lot of money on. Everybody's over 30 years old. It's any it's any decent scorer. Goaltending, well, you've had Leonard and you traded him, so apparently he's not the answer. So, I, I mean, I don't know. It's just weird because that, that whole idea with, me was like again when you traded Leonard why did you even bother with Subban you didn't play him and you it was, I think it was clear you weren't going to play him so why even acquire him why not bring up Delia why not bring up Lincoln and, and get him one, a game or two I are you saying are, are, are you saying instead of instead of acquiring Subban try and acquire another forward in that deal? No, no. I'm just saying in the trade, you don't need Subban. No, I mean, that's what I I'm saying. It, I, I, maybe that, they did it to make the numbers work, but if they were going to do that, then the Hawks could have just, like, released Subban's a free agent, and they've got all that cap space from everybody being on IR, so just cut him. Like, why, why is Subban taking his roster spot away from Delia or Lincoln? Like, yeah. I don't see any way that they're going to place, I mean, they didn't place, I mean, they made it clear they weren't going to place Subban. So, I mean, wouldn't, I assume Delia and Lincoln and one of those guys is going to be on the roster next year. So wouldn't you want to just prefer one of them to be in the, to be on the bench? I think this goes back to to the, I think this goes back to the Blackhawks struggling to find their identity. And it's, it's not just in goaltending. It's, 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 it's up and down the lines. I think they're just, they don't know who they are. Well, I think the lines are fucked for a better word, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Yeah. Because they're missing that one score. They're unbalanced. Brandon Saad, who also shouldn't be on this team, uh, is wasting $6 million. He's not a top six forward. Like, Brandon Saad is like Brad, I guess not Brad Richards, but he's like an Anton Vermette or a guy that's a third line a quality top nine guy who can play on the third line and occasionally can move up the lineup if he's having a really good game. But he's not top six. He just isn't. And I had to laugh. I think I mentioned it last time when Kajua and DeBrinkett were playing the EA Sports championship thing. Yeah. Brandon saw it hit the post in one of those things. I'm like, oh, look, he's just as bad in the game as he is in real life. <laughs> um, but... To me, the top six is the problem. I think their top, their bottom six is great. Mm-hmm. I love Kajula. I think he's one of the best. I've said this, one of the best uh, bottom six, top nine guys in the league. You've got Saad, who's, like I said, a really good top nine. Smith can be in the bottom six. He's, you know, that's they got plenty of guys in roster that can fill that spot. They're missing at least one, if not two, top six guys. That's where the problem is with the offense. You know, like everyone claims bitches about the defense. Well, the Hawks were averaging like two and a half goals a game. 
you're not going to beat somebody if you can't score like three to four, somewhere between three to four goals a night. You're just not. Mm-hmm. I don't care how good your defense is. I don't care how good the goaltending is. And I think even Leonard would, you know, kind of say stuff like that, you know, in his press pressers and be like, oh, yeah, you know, we, we played well, but, you know, we're not doing this right or outlet passes aren't good or you know, whatever, whatever. But I think this all goes back to your identity point, which is to get back to McDonough. To me, what the Hawks need to do, because I don't know, I don't the dynamic between Bowman, McDonough, and Words isn't known to me. I don't think it's known to anybody except for them. But and I don't, I'm not sure how Bowman's dad plays into this either, but I'm sure that he plays into it. Um. Because when they brought in McDonough and Blunk, uh, they brought in Scotty Bowman as an advisor, like a senior advisor or whatever. And I assume to kind of placate him, that's how Stan moved up into the GM role and all these things, even though Stan was already in the organization. But um, I think going back to the kind of the idea that I said earlier with uh, Theo and Jed with the Cubs or even Kenny with the Sox where you have someone who's basically a GM or has been a GM that's a hockey ops guy will come into that president's role i.e. McDonough's job and will kind of oversee whoever the GM is whether it's Bowman or somebody else I, to me and this is why I said McDonough getting fired to me screams that Bowman's done is because I, if they go this route and they bring in a hockey guy, which is what I think makes the most sense, why is he going to keep Bowman around? I mean, it's kind of like the whole baseball GM thing, like, or even in basketball, in any sport, they're going to fire the coach, right? or they want their own coach, they want their own GM, their own guy. Sure. They're not going to keep somebody around from an old regime. So uh, I, if they do go that route, I think Bowman's most likely done. Uh, the guy I suggested that they bring in, and by the way, <clears throat> when I say hockey ops, I'm not saying that they don't need like a John McDonough type. To me, you would just make that like, Say you have the CEO position, and then that guy comes in, and then they're kind of the business fan relationship. Yeah, I was guy. gonna say like I I I get where you're. I don't think you're trying to say this, um, but so I guess correct me if I'm wrong. But uh, McDonough, I, I don't necessarily think that you could even put the on ice identity on McDonough because I think John McDonough was the he was the business guy. He was the the outer reach marketing guy. He was get butts in the seats kind of guy. He he was promotions. He was he was the business side of hockey, and the the identity well, on he, the ice goes to Bowman. Yes and no, because that's to me that's my point as to why you need to bring in a quote unquote hockey ops 
guy who's like the head of, or whatever. Whether you maybe you just maybe you have the president be someone like McDonough, but then you bring in somebody and you just call them the, the head of hockey operations or whatever, where they oversee Bowman because McDonough, even though he is the business guy, his position allows he I mean he makes the call as to whether Bowman gets fired. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where Wurtz comes in, where he's sitting in his mansion going, wow, our sales are down, our merch sales are down, the TV ratings are down, the whatever, whatever's down, people are pissed off on Twitter, this isn't good. And, you know, maybe he put feelers out in the league too, maybe with other owners or other execs, who knows. Uh, and maybe they said some things. And to me, that's where, because to me, Bowman should have not been around. Like, I don't, I, and I like, if, if you're competent as in McDonough's role or even Wurtz's role, just looking at what he's done the last three years, the Panarin trade alone should have got him fired. Now you got the Leonard trade. You look at the Shaw trade. You got four million dollars now on the cap that you don't know how to get rid of. You've got uh, Dahan, who was injured before you traded for him, who was injured. And granted, it looks like he's going to be back, but you know that was another four and a half million dollars that was sitting on injured reserve. But you look at all of these decisions, signing. Richard Panic to what, what was like two two and a half million, and Panic comes out to the, you know, in the press and goes, "Oh, we didn't really have contract negotiations. Bowman just gave me this offer and was like, what? Really? Okay, where do I sign?'" <laughs> I mean, like when you have players coming out into the media saying that, and then even going back to Leonard, what Leonard said in the, like this isn't just like, and I've brought this up before, like. This is a toxic thing. It's not just like the team. You have to look at this from what is the perception around the league of your organization. And if you've got Richard Panic saying what he said, and then you've got Artemi Panarin coming out and basically shitting all over Bowman and basically saying, hey, I took a bridge deal to stay in Chicago. I want to spend my whole career there. And then four months after I signed that contract, Bowman trades me. And then you got Leonard coming out and he's talking about his contract negotiations and how awful they were. So it's becoming a thing with these star players. I guess panic's not really a star, but and that's that's negative in the reverse where you had a, a guy that was a career AHLer who shouldn't have gotten the money he did, but got the money he did. Then you look at the Seabrook Seabrook contract. You get all these things where you, you're getting negative press, not just from players, but, well, not just from fans, but players. So if you are, let's say, a Marion Hosa back in the day, would you want to sign here now? I mean, knowing kind of how everything's the last several years have gone, like, I don't know. And then, like, Nylander, to me, he's been misused. He's a top, 
he, he was the, what the ace overall pick in his draft year. You traded for him because you needed offense. I'm, I mean, they haven't come out and said that, but they kind of have because that's what Bowman said right after the trade. It was like, well, when you look at a guy with his skill set, it jumps off the page and you get really excited as to what he could be. Okay, so you want to put him in the top six. Great. He's cheap. You have to, you know, you trade in an asset to get him, a strength, so you didn't really weaken yourself all that much. And then you play him in the bottom six. And, and, then, and then everybody shits on him. It's like, and then, and that's just the, I don't know if it's going off of what fans say or whatever, and, you know, but at least Collison, to some extent, will play the young kids even after they've made mistakes. Because they're going to make mistakes. To me, and this is why I said if you were going to bring Doc in, which I wouldn't have done because it was evident when he first started, he wasn't strong enough to play. If you look at him in October versus February, it's like two different players. He's so much stronger and so much more mobile in February than he was in October. And it's not just learning the system. Like, he was getting pushed off the puck in October. In February and March or even January, you could see that progression where he's starting to be able to create space and keep hold of the puck and really turn into that power forward. Mm-hmm. Well, to me, if you really were serious about winning, he's still in juniors. I mean, because you're going to have growing pains with him on the right. Same with Nylander. But Nylander's obviously too old for juniors now. But it's just kind of that thing where I, I don't – I understand your point with McDonough where he did a lot on the business side, which was obviously very needed. But now maybe you've repaired the somewhat the image with the fans, but now you're getting damage done to the organization on the ice because you're unwilling to fire Bowman because you're – I don't know if you're afraid to fire Bowman. I don't know if it's loyalty to Bowman. I don't know what it is, but it's having a negative effect on the organization. Now, like I said earlier, if they go on a run – now that all changes but you know that's it really shouldn't change because you know they shouldn't even be in the playoffs so so who's a guy who who, who's a guy um for you who's a guy who you would bring in like bowman's gone let's just say bowman's gone you get to call the shots who who's who are your candidates for for gm of the hawks and uh, I guess well, another question too. On top of that, if Bowman goes, Kaladin goes, right? Yeah, most likely. I, to me, I'd bring in three new guys. So, and I think you're seeing this kind of become more of a trend around the league, where the GMs are becoming former players, like your Steve Eiserman, your Joe Sackix. Uh. So everybody's, I assume, kind of looking for the next former star player that can kind of be a good GM. Mm-hmm. So I had made this reference on Twitter or suggestion. Mark Hunter is who I would bring in as a hockey ops guy or a GM. He could be a GM. Most people have him slotted as a future GM. But for people who don't know who Mark Hunter is, Mark Hunter used to be the GM of the London Knights. Mark Hunter is the guy that gave you Patrick Kane. 
Mark Hunter's the guy that gave you uh, Mitch Marner. There's all of these talented players. I mean, Mitch Marner and Patrick Kane are arguably the top two right wingers in hockey right now, mm-hmm. or at least two of the top five. Um, so you, the talent that he's able to see, uh, he used to be, and this is the other thing, he used to be with Kyle Dubas, the like scouting department for the Maple Leafs. That's how... So all of these guys that the Maple Leafs have drafted to become this offensive juggernaut, he had his hand in. Well, where do the Hawks struggle right now? Offense. So, you know, we're assuming you're good with your defense. I'd bring him in, and then because, you know, perhaps he's more offensive-minded, I'd bring a defensive-minded GM in, like, say, Scott Niedermeyer who's an assistant to the GM in Anaheim right now. You think, I know he played in Anaheim, but I'm pretty sure if you offered him a GM role, he'd probably take it. I don't think the loyalty goes that far. So you bring him in. He's a defensive-minded guy. And then for coach, I know I said I'm, I've kind of – Colleton's kind of grown on me, but I, I, I'm going to assume – if you're doing all these changes, Colleton's gone. So, you know, I'd look at Ger- Gerard Gallant. I'd look at Peter Laviolette. I'd look at um, – there's a third guy. His name's escaping me. It's not uh, – it's not Babcock. Who is uh, – I guess – I guess it would. I would look at either Laviolette probably or, or Gallant. One of those two guys, uh, Gallant obviously was the head coach in Vegas. He was the head coach for uh, Florida for quite a while before he went to Vegas. Mm-hmm. And why you let has a Stanley Cup ring to his name with the Carolina Hurricanes. And you saw what he did with the Predators for all those years. Plus, if I'm not mistaken, he was the coach for the Flyers when the Hawks played the Flyers in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, yes. For the, the 2010 Cup. And... So, uh, from speaking with, with Flyers fans, they loved Laviolette. Like, they didn't even want him gone. Yeah, so, I mean, and, and I think either way, both of those coaches are a distinct difference to Quenville and Collison. Laviolette is a defensive-minded coach obviously and Gallant is much more of a checking hard-nosed gritty kind of style which is what I like Um, but either way taking one of those playing styles and putting with your current group of players I think and maybe this is part of the thought process with Collison being a former defenseman that he would help you kind of shore up your back end and become your forwards even become better defensively. Uh, I think that would help the team out a lot. I don't know how much, but at least a little bit. Obviously, you still need what we've been talking about. You still you still need an offensive weapon. I don't know how you where you get it. I don't know if you get it in this draft. Obviously, if you're going to get it in this draft, you probably want to lose to Edmonton to get into the lottery to get a top 10 pick. Uh, otherwise, 
I don't know where you're going to get it. Does it have to be to a trade or uh, Pius Suter is the name that's been out there. He's the Dominic Kubalik uh, this year from the Czech League. Had very, very similar numbers to Kubalik. Uh, he's about the same age as Kubalik. Um, he played Canadian Junior, so he's got experience in North America. What are the Hawks going dip into Europe again for somebody like that. I don't know. I don't know if he's necessarily the answer. Uh, he kind of came out of nowhere this year, statistically. Uh, he's been in NHL camps before. I think he was with the Islanders a couple years ago. Um, but I don't know. I, I To me, it's so weird because if you would have asked me a month ago, I would have said Bowman's gone. Now that they're in this play-in, I don't know, because it depends on what they do there, and it depends on what they do with the hockey uh, ops, you know. And everybody's been talking about, like, Chris Chelios potentially becoming a GM, which I think would be a disaster. Uh They've talked about Eddie Olchek. I think Eddie Olchek would be a disaster. Um, I, I, I don't – Al McIsaac, who's – I think – I don't know what his – is he the vice president? I don't know what his specific role is with the Hawks currently, but he is not somebody that I would – I mean, he's basically Bowman. So <laughs> I would not have him – I mean, he looks like Bowman. He's bald. I mean, it's just – been with Bowman this whole time. Uh, that's not who I would have. So um, the uh, Twitter verse I mentioned to you earlier, I think her name's Amber Chaka. She's John Chaka's sister, uh, who's the GM for the Phoenix or Arizona Coyotes, however you want to refer to them as. And I think she runs some sort of analytical company, and people have, you know, in this social justice warrior culture that we're living in, everyone has kind of said, oh, if she's a woman, she'd be the great, you know, a great hockey GM, she'd be a great statement to make, blah, 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 and maybe, but she's never played hockey as far as I'm aware She's never worked in an organization. All she has done is numbers. So I'm not sure that's somebody that I would want working in that job title, especially with an original six team. Like, and even not even necessarily that it's original six, but just with the talent on the roster, I firmly believe the Hawks are really not that far off. Like, that's why I'm. I, I, they could go on a run. I think they're going to beat Edmonton. Uh, I don't know what ha- will happen after that because I think uh, me and Josh were talking. They Maybe we can get into this now. The Phase 2 is officially beginning on, was it July 10th? I think that's Phase 3. When, phase 3 is or, training yeah, camp. Phase yeah. Three. Mm-hmm. yeah. There's, we're in so many Marvel MCU versions <laughs> with all yeah. these phases. It's just, you know. We're going to be in, like, phase 20 before we can stop wearing masks. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, so 
I mean, I don't know. Well, I, I I want to ask this question um, because I think it's a I think it's an interesting and I'll ask I'll ask everybody out there too as far as Blackhawks Twitter goes and even in the NHL I think I think it's important to um, to take the outsiders perspective perspective on this too I know you said they were close and. Um, I, I guess I do too. I, I don't know. It's it's a weird it's a weird thing. I'm kind of in between on it. How close do you think the Blackhawks are to their next Stanley Cup? Like if you said, if I was like, give me an amount of years that the Blackhawks have to to win a Stanley Cup, what would you say? Well, I think if they made the right moves, they could win it next year. Hmm. I'm dead serious. I think if you had a competent GM. And you had the right coach. You still got the greatest American in his late prime on your roster. You've got a Iron Man and Duncan Keith. You've got a forty former forty goal scorer in Debrinket, who's only twenty two. You've got Dylan Strome, who is twenty two, that put up fifty points a year ago. You've got the third overall pick from this year in Doc. You've got Nylander, who should. Uh, and I hope that him showing up, being one of the first on the ice, is a good sign. Uh, you've got Kubalik, and if he can, I like I said, I don't think he will, but if he can maintain his point production and the defense comes along, I, you, the Hawks' problem is, like, to me, it's, it's so simple. Like, you've got too much dead weight. Shaw needs to go. Smith needs to go. Crawford needs to go. And, again, I, I don't know at this point, now that you've pissed Leonard off, maybe Markstrom, but Markstrom's 30. Again, he's like 30 years old, and he's had injuries. So I don't know if, what you're going to do there. Maybe it's Lankinen. I know I prefer Lankinen over Delia, but you're never going to know unless you start playing him, which is why, to me, why did you? bring in Subban. Anyway, not to get back on that, but they're only like a little bit away. Saad needs to go like just Smith, Saad, Shaw, and then one of the defensemen, because you've got to make room for one of the defensemen to play next year. Mitchell, mm-hmm. obviously. Yeah, because so he can't play. I know, I know, five. I don't mean to cut you off, but before you said, uh, before we hit, we started going live here, you did say uh, Mitchell is not eligible to play in these play-in games, right? Well, that's so. That's what it sounds like. There's been no like. I, I don't know. It's very confusing to me because uh, McCarr last year for Colorado played his first game in the playoffs. So why Mitchell wouldn't be allowed to do that with the Hawks this year? I, I know it's a different obviously different circumstances, but is it really, though? I mean, it yeah. is the playoffs, so I, I, I don't know. So it, by all indications, according to Bowman, and this was the powers as part of the early conversation we were talking about earlier, uh, it seems like Mitchell's not going to be allowed to play until next season. 
So that obviously we had to question, you know, is Mitchell going to play? If he plays, is Cuckoo out? Is Behan going to play? All these things, what are you going to do on defense? Well, it appears the league has answered that question, at least according to Bowman, that it's unlikely that he's going to play. I guess that could change. I was telling everybody and everybody else, you know, that was reputable was saying, oh, yeah, he signed an a entry-level contract for years. Um, it's going to allow him to burn the first year. If they come back and play, he'll be able to play the playoffs just like McCarr was able to. And now all of a sudden, that's not going to happen. Maybe there's something with the Players Association where, for example, Cuckoo doesn't want to lose his spot, so they're saying, well, we're not going to allow that anymore or whatever, whatever. I don't know. But for whatever reason, it appears Mitchell's not going to be able to play. So I don't know. But, you know, I guess my point that I was making with the roster, you've got Shaw, Smith, that's $7.5 million. You've got Saad, that's $13.5 million. Crawford, that's $19.5 million. So just, and none of, like, I don't even, I haven't even mentioned the other defensemen yet, which is another, if, if it's Mata, it's $4 million. If it's Dahan, it's $4.5 million. So you're looking at, what, $23.5 million by just getting rid of that dead weight? That's Panarin, Leonard, and another player. Yeah. Like, imagine, like, imagine... I, I guess you have to – so Kubelik needs a new deal. So say you give Kubelik $3 million, which to me is asinine. Well, let's say you do. So you get Panarin at 11. You get Kubelik at 3. That's $14 million. You've got another $9 million to give Leonard. I would never give Leonard that. But or you give you Leonard 7 or you give Leonard 6 and you sign another – Bring in – yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And and then the year after that, well, I guess Strom still needs to be resigned. I forgot about that. So let's say you give Strom four million. So then you got six, seven million to give the winner, and you're done. But that's also without a cap increase. Who knows what? I assume the cap's not going to go up. So who knows how that's going to play out? But point is, if you got rid of the dead weight three of the four guys, the five guys I mentioned, didn't even play this year, really. I mean, that, it, it slays me, all these people, oh, well, the Blackhawks don't have the money for Panarin. What? <laughs> well, they did. They just time. used it in other ways. Yeah, it's, and ridiculous. Like I said, you had $8 million that didn't play all year. Anyway, um, so that's like, if you had a competent GM that could get rid of that dead weight and then use that money effectively... You can have, and then you're going to get another high draft pick, right? Or you should. Uh, if you lose to Edmonton, you're going to have a top 10 pick. If you win, you're going to have, I think, the 16th pick. So it's not horrible. You're still going to, and this draft is loaded. And you know what? Maybe you can trade up in the draft from the 16th to the 7th or 8th pick. Mm-hmm. And you can say, here's Sakura and whoever. Maybe they get rid of Nylander because everybody hates Nylander. I, I don't know. But whatever. Maybe they trade Kubelik. Whatever. They've got options at their hand. 
is what I'm saying. You're not that far off. You're already we're like a bubble. You've been a bubble playoff team the last two years. Yeah. You get your defense experience. See, and that's the thing. The expansion draft is coming. You can get rid of Seabrook in the expansion draft. That's another $7 million off the cap. So, again, a competent GM looks at this, and I think maybe that's part of Bowman's problem is he focuses on one year instead of the big picture. Because if you know you're going to get rid of Seabrook with the expansion draft, say you trade your first-round pick for Seattle to take Seabrook or a first or a first rounder and something else, whatever it is. And the $7 million is enough to go out and sign somebody big mm-hmm. or, you know, there's so many things that, that they could do to get to where they need to be. They should have been there this year. Um, they just spent money in places they didn't need to. And it turned out badly because two of the guys were injured all year. So other than, I mean, what Shaw played five weeks, DeHaan played eight weeks. He didn't even play that because DeHaan DeHaan started the year on injured reserve, came back in like mid-November, and by January was injured for the rest of the season. And you knew Shaw – and DeHaan both had injury problems before you traded for him. Uh, Yeah, I think they had more confidence in Andrew Shaw being healthy than Calvin DeHaan. I think they were willing to take the DeHaan. um, They were willing to to acquire Calvin DeHaan because of his ceiling uh, as a defenseman, and I think they were willing to take a chance on his injury, and it it came back to bite him, obviously. See, I would have made the DeHaan trade all day and not have made because they got it for nothing. Mm-hmm. They traded, they traded Forsling and Forsberg, and was there a pick involved? I I don't remember, I don't remember but, but they, I, my gu- my knee jerk reaction is no. Could be wrong on that though. Yeah, but they got him for well, and they got it wasn't just him they got. They got Sorella too, and then they traded Sorella for nothing. Yeah, because they drafted the younger brother, and then. Anyway, but to me, I would have done that trade all day. Shaw, they traded like a second and a third round pick for him. And I don't know, he was injury prone and had concussion problems for like two of the three seasons. And they bought him high because he was coming off of a career year. So I don't know. But either way, my point being, there's talent there and they're already a bubble team. And if you figure again, you're not even subtracting from the roster because the, whether it's Dahan, well, let's just throw Dahan in there. So Dahan Shaw and, uh, uh, Smith, all three of those guys are injured and barely played. The three of those guys together is like $11 million. That's, Panarin. Yeah. And then you get rid of Crawford at the end of the year, uh, do whatever, you re-sign Leonard, you got Leonard and Panarin. I mean, assuming Debrinkit improves, assuming Doc improves, assuming you get another good, a somewhat decent player in the draft, 
to me, you're already vastly superior to what you are now because you've got Leonard and you got Panarin plus somebody else that you just drafted who's a top pick, 15 pick. So, yeah, I, I don't. I, I, I truly believe they're not far away. It's just they've got to be able to get over the incompetence of the people who are running the organization. Like, you can't – and that, with the Andrew Shaw thing, again – what what is it with this? We have to bring back Patrick Sharp. We have to bring back Brian Campbell. We have to bring back Andrew Ladd. We have to bring back Johnny Oduya. Like all of these washed up Haskins. How many times we brought Christopher Steed back? Three times. He couldn't skate either. Like, that was my favorite part. The guy couldn't even he couldn't even stand on his own two feet on the ice, and uh, they they get, kept putting him out there. I mean. What are you gonna do? I guess. Well, eventually, <laughs> I, I I don't know. I, it's just like. Well, at least he had the noble thing to do, like Carrie Wood, when they retired from the season. Seriously. Yeah, yeah. I want to. Um, I, I know there's there's a few more things that we can get into, but I I want to save that for for the closer we get to. Uh, I guess when we're in training camp. Um, and, and as season or as the the postseason really starts to approach, I know this is kind of a tough question, but I want to see what your answer is because I've seen um, some analysts talk about it. I've seen uh, some people on on hockey Twitter talk about it. If I asked you right now today, um, who has the best chance of winning the Stanley Cup this year? In this, look, it's still the playoffs. Um, who, who would you say? Has the best shot at at winning the winning the cup, dude. I don't even. It's so hard because, like, all the momentum of all the good teams. Is yeah, that's why I think it's such a great question, though, because you have you have to go off of. You, it's almost I mean you have things to go off of, but it's almost like you don't have anything to go off of because there's so much that goes into. Um, there's so much weight behind. Well, how did they play the last week of the season? Is everybody healthy? If not, when do they come back? How is the chemistry on the ice? Is it great, or have they gotten lucky? Uh, how how good is their goaltending? So, I just think it's a super interesting conversation. I I, I wanted to to see if you had a guess, um, because for me, I don't. I can't answer that question. I really can't. Well, so I just pulled up. Because again, I, I just I gotta remember who's all in the playoffs now. Um, I know it's been twenty years. I, I'm and I'm not I'm gonna cheat and I'm gonna give you a couple answers. So the first I'm gonna say who I think has the best shot out of the play in. To advance, or not necessarily advance, but to go deep into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So in the West, we have the Oil in the play-in. We have the Oilers, Blackhawks, Predators, Coyotes, Canucks, Wild, Flames, and Jets. Uh, out of those, was it eight teams? Two, yeah, eight teams. To me, the most interesting two teams in the play-in are the Blackhawks and the Canucks. I don't 
I, I think the Blackhawks will beat the Oilers. I'm not too worried about that. The Coyotes are crap. The Wild are crap. The Flames and Jets. Both those teams are meh. Uh, the Predators... The Predators are interesting because they should be better than they were. So they might be a team to look at, too. But, and they should beat the Yotes. But I don't want to cheat, so we'll keep those two teams, the Canucks and Blackhawks. For the East play-in, so we got Penguins, Canadians, Hurricanes, Rangers, Islanders, Panthers. Maple Leafs, Blue Jackets. To me, that's no doubt. That's Maple Leafs and Penguins. And for the bye teams. So, Boston, I think, had the best record. No, they were a wagon. Washington. Yeah, Philly, St. Louis, Colorado, Vegas, and Dallas. But this is weird because I think the play into the West is so much easier to predict, which is weird because it should be easier on the east i don't know but i don't i'll say right now i don't think boston will win what about philly maybe this is philly is interesting i like philly I, i i've enjoyed watching them play Washington is very interesting because this time off is going to have helped all their older players. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, though, so I the East is such a crapshoot because the, you got yeah, anybody in the East, really. The top four seeds, and then you got the Penguins and the Maple Leafs. In the uh, like the Canadians are garbage, the Rangers are garbage, Panthers are garbage, Blue Jackets are garbage. So I don't see any upset there in the East with that playing round. Um, I think the Hawks upset the Oilers, Predators will beat the Yotes, Canucks beat the Wild, and who the fuck knows what will happen with the Flames and Jets. Um, <laughs> I don't think the Blues will repeat. I think I actually think the Blues could get bounced early, and they're the top seed. I really like the Avs, man. I know. Like, uh, yeah, I like them from the West. They're Vegas is interesting because they've got Leonard and Flurry. Dallas, I think, is. I don't think Dallas is as good as they played. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with them. Mm-hmm. So to me, the two threats in the West are the Avs and the Vegas. And then the dangerous teams to me are the Blackhawks and the Canucks out West. The East, the dangerous team would be the Penguins and the Leafs. And then we'll leave with the top Philly's interesting. Philly and Washington. Yeah, well, Philly, Tampa, and Washington. Yeah. I'm not worried. Boston, Boston's never scared me, to be honest. I don't know why. I know they were a hell of a regular season team, 
but they just choke all the time. Like, <laughs> and I don't like their players aren't that good. Like mm-hmm. their roster's not that good. I don't think. So Philly's definitely the young team. Washington's the experienced vet team with Ovechkin, who's to me is the best player in hockey. And then Tampa's just loaded. Like I forget Tampa has Shattenkirk now on defense. Like there's that team is just loaded. There's no reason that team shouldn't go deep, but again, they got bounced in the first round last year. So I don't know. Like I, I tell you what, can we agree on this? We're all excited to get back to watch playoff hockey, fans or not. <laughs> yeah, if it ever starts. I mean, that's like, <laughs> yeah. Yep. <you> know, like, <clears throat> I think I said we were looking at like August the last time, and I think they want camp to be what three weeks. Four yeah. Weeks? Yep. So we would be looking at August. It'd be July tenth. Training camp would start. And even if you even if you had three weeks, that'd put you in the, the first week of August. Yeah, but you're probably more looking at like around my birthday, so it's like August tenth ish. I don't know what the calendar is, but somewhere around there. That's a month out if they do the full mm-hmm. month, because I assume most people should be, I hope, back to work by then. So I would assume that they'd be scheduling the games for the weekend. I would hope, at least to some extent. Well, they don't have hub so cities they, yet either, so they got to figure that out too. Yeah, well, where do you think the hub cities are going to be? Well, so I know. I don't want to. I know. I mean, because before we talk, like, I don't want to get into politics, but, like, all of these riots that have went on are now going to, to me, affect that, where the hub cities Oh, yeah, no, 100%. 100%. Why don't, why don't we do this, though? Because I I want to wrap things up here. Why don't we save that hub city discussion for yeah, okay. for when they actually decide? Because look, I mean, you and I can talk until we're blue in the face about where they should play and where we think they're going to play, and then they always pull a rabbit and uh, and and pick right. a pick a random place. So I think that that'll be a good discussion when they actually make that decision. I think that's going to be sometime soon, barring uh, you know be- because of July tenth being. On, around the corner uh, it's just four weeks away so um I, I think again as always i hope everybody enjoyed this uh this conversation i know it's always fun to talk hockey with you and if if everybody's still sticking around here i gotta mention again seven o'clock uh or i'm sorry eight o'clock central time tomorrow night um there uh it, during the stream i am giving away a busr.com account that's funded with a hundred dollars so i know sports are returning um the pga has returned NASCAR is in full swing. Uh, the horses are running around the track again. So um, there's a lot to bet on. BUSR.com slash Josh USN to get your sign-up bonus if you are not if you don't care about the giveaway. Um, but there will be a giveaway tomorrow night, and um, we'll, we'll share the details about that um, tomorrow night's stream. But, Kyle, I appreciate you taking the time tonight, and um, we're definitely going to be talking soon because I know hockey is uh, going to be ramping up here. And uh, barring any uh, crapping of the bed, we should have hockey soon. Yeah, let's hope. <laughs> <laughs> let's hope. All right, guys. Um, we will... Honestly, I'll take any sport at this point. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm with you. Um, all right, guys. I appreciate everybody joining me and uh, myself and Kyle. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at McBrooklyn48. You can see it on your screen there. And uh, we will talk to you guys tomorrow night.